We've made it further than some of history's great figures. Welcome to another episode of Hand of Pod. It's often said that great men die before turning 40. Jesus Christ, possibly the most famous. And a pod turns 40 this week. 40 episodes, that is. Not uh, years, quite yet. Uh, so, welcome everybody to a special celebratory episode in which we're drinking wine instead of Fernet, apart from Seba, who as usual is not drinking anything. Seba is here with me. Say hello, Seba. Yeah, we made it longer than Kim Kardashian and Chris Humphries. You know, uh, I'm all <laughs> I'm all about it. So, <laughs> congratulations to us. Uh, you know who one of those people is. Uh, English Dan is also here. It's a pleasure. I think we're all a little bit older, a little bit wiser than when we started. I think a few more wrinkles, but we're doing good. Absolutely. And if anybody has any tips on how to get from Buenos Aires to Hong Kong cheaply, please mm. pass them on to our next uh, the next voice you'll hear, Australian Dan. Hello. Yeah, actually, a lot of people on Twitter have been very helpful with that. Um, yeah, if anyone else knows, tell me. It's also November, which means later this year, uh, this month, we're going to turn one year old. I'm not sure of really? the exact date. Are you growing a moustache for <laughs> November? <laughs> no, I'm... Uh, uh, I could try, but you wouldn't be able to see the results by the end. <laughs> I'm not a very hairy man. Uh, as everybody sitting here is probably aware, but uh, some of our listeners may have not realised until I said it just then. Um, we're feeling rather prescient this, this week, because last week we spent some time talking about violence in Argentine football, um, and the weekend just passed proved to be another violent one in Argentine football. Last week we discussed, uh, who was it, San Lorenzo and somebody else, didn't we? Um, this week it's it's two different clubs in, in the forefront of it really it's Boca Juniors the league leaders um, after their 3-1 win against second place Atletico Rafael on Sunday and Newell's old boys they can't seem to win no. it's, it's been one of those rounds you know it's terrible terrible the main thing to come out of that the head, headline wise at least was a, a CCTV image of um, more police abuse I say more because that was going to explain to us uh, before too long that in Rosario particularly it's a bit of a problem um, of a mounted policeman um, hitting fans with sticks basically fans or badras who knows it's CCTV the policeman was the one being violent in this incident um, so but as you were saying just before we started recording to us uh, Rosario has a bit of a reputation for this kind of thing the city as opposed to just the club uh, Newell's more the police than the city I would say it's, it's famous uh, among football fans in Argentina every time you go to Rosario you watch out more than for the Rosario Central or the Newell's hooligans you watch out more for the police because especially or probably uh, my example or my, in my case it's someone coming from Buenos Aires or the, the, the greater Buenos Aires area and there is a big rivalry and there is hatred um, with with, uh, with Ros- people from Rosario even though I love Messi, not so much Di Maria, but that's another case. <laughs> and, uh, last time I went there, I, w- I went as a, as a producer. I was working for uh, for Racing TV, uh, the show about Racing, so surprisingly. <laughs> and uh, w- we got there, and uh, the, 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 the trip was amazing. We got there in, in a number of... of of uh, bus buses and and then when we stop you have to turn uh, around the corner and there's there's uh, there's mounted police there and they <coughs> put you against the wall and they treat you really badly to say <laughs> to put it uh, like that and then once you turn around the corner there is police with dogs and they throw the dogs at you and the fans will, will Will please uh, will, will ask us to please turn on the camera so the police will stop uh, the violence and and it worked every time you you, you turn on the camera and you point it at, at them they 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 stop or they be behave a little bit more uh, gentler and but yeah it's it's, it's a problem and, and this time it was with the home fans and that is 
a new development. Of course, when, whenever Rosario Central and New Soul Boys play, it's one of the most uh, heated rivalries in, in the country, if not in the world. There are problems, of course, with the police and, and, and the fans. And this time, they got exposed because someone uh, <coughs> showed these this images and, and now you could see uh, a, a, a policeman on a horse beating one of the particularly one of the, the news of both yeah, fans. The, the image in question was, was pretty disturbing. It was, uh, I guess this guy had, had they showed him sort of being mildly beaten by a, a, a normal police officer and he sort of, they sort of like put him in a corner behind the police line so he wasn't in any way taking part and you see this guy on the horse sort of amble over have a look at the guy and just start sort of beating him I don't know who it was, looked like a long stick with a sort of a chain or something attached like it was and this guy's just passed out on the ground or, or lying on the ground and he just starts you know wailing on this guy basically for his own fun I guess uh, so yeah it was pretty disturbing images so yeah, I, I don't know if something will happen uh, I don't know if they will take measures against the police against this particular officer um, we have to remember that not so long ago a fan died uh, in a San Lorenzo Vélez match and last time or last images we saw of that man was him walking on his own being escorted by two police officers and then the official word from the police was that he fainted and he lost consciousness and, and then he was dead and he got to the hospital with uh, multiple injuries and, and, and well blows to the head and, and other body parts and, and I think that's that's terrible that is, that is um, it's the people that is supposed to protect you, and, I think, and they do this to you. I, I think know. I definitely agree with Seba there. Like, I've been to a lot of kind of away games, travelling, and you know, a lot of games around in Buenos Aires province, and basically all around, you know, the main places of football. And it seems to be that the tactics that a lot of the police use are just completely. I don't know if I go all the way to say useless, but they're just not good to control crowds I mean mm. as I can see it you know correct me if I'm wrong but their basic philosophy behind controlling the crowds is they won't get involved until it all starts kind of getting out of control so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know they overlook basically anything that happens in the grounds and then once it reaches a point they wade in with all force uh, batons with riot shields everything like this and what it basically means is you're never gonna it always goes from kind of zero to a hundred Absolutely, you know, within moments, and yeah. as soon as the police start wading in, you know that it's not going to go back to normal. And I've seen, you know, as Seba said with his story, I haven't had anything quite as as bad as that. But when I went to Santa Fe, I believe it was, this wasn't Rosario, but in the same province to uh, Santa Fe capital. Uh, I went in a bus with other fans, and you know, you get stopped outside, and everyone has to get off the bus, and you know, they can't, they do really kind of like shove you against the side of the bus and they you know check everything mm -hmm. frisk you and then I know we in the stands in this game this was against Union in a racing game we were kind of at the side of the stand where there's kind of a line of line of riot police lined up and definitely after the game as we were coming out there was a lot of things people were you know trying to get trying to just file out fairly orderly it's never easy when there's 3,000 people in a confined space but the police were basically, you know, kind of shoving people, pushing them, and you know, if anyone turned around, they'd be ready to answer back. It's a lot of things in that case. So just seem to be trying to provoke these away mm -hmm. fans, these guys that come from Buenos Aires, and I think something needs to be done, or these events yeah. are going to keep happening. No, one important aspect about this uh, police at the at, at the football games is that they have to make up the numbers somehow. They have to take some people, and if they they're not causing any trouble troubles they will provoke them um, I, I, I'm not saying this is uh, what happens in 100% of the cases but it is quite obvious because uh, they get money uh, out of the clubs because they have to pay for the security uh, operative how you call it the, the operation the operation um, so they will take some people even if, if it's to ask questions at the delegacy and I think it's a it's a circle that is, is is terrible and it's not doing football any any good. And there's definitely no trust between police and fans. You know, I think in some countries you might see people like fans and police chatting to each other. You know, asking for directions after the game or something. But you wouldn't ever see that basically in uh, Argentine stadium unless 
you happen to know that particular policeman because they're just completely the enemy they're on the opposite side yeah. you wouldn't you'd rarely I'd see it in Argentina full stop outside the stadium but yeah you see it every now and then in, like, in a football in stadium it's, like, it's yeah. even more of a yeah, you would think that there will be more punk rock uh, bands coming uh, out of football <laughs> grounds, but it's, it's, not <coughs> it's not been the case. Um, well, and the other team Sam mentioned was Boca, and I think apart, there wasn't actually any violence, well, apart from the usual type of violence uh, last weekend, but what, what he's more talking about is the threat of violence to come, mm. because we've had, uh, without giving these guys too much limelight, uh, I think we should. But you've had the, the ex-head of the, the Boca, Barra Brava, who's gotten out of prison after four years in jail, and now he kind of wants to take the, the Barra back. He wants to be the leader again. This is uh, Diziel. And then you've got the, the current guy, who is Martin. And so, like, Diziel showed up at the last Boca game against uh, Rafaela. Rafaela with 19 buses full of people, so about 800 of his people. Uh, they were separated from the, the rest of the Barra, who were uh, Martin's people and each of them making sort of threatening gestures to each other and and then after the game during the week we've had them all talking about uh we're, we're all going to be we want to go to the next game and you know if you're there stay away from us blah 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 so there's this sort of uh, a lot of tension around the boca Vada at the moment so it's all just my dad's bigger than your dad bollocks for the most part with a lot of but it's uh, a lot more dangerous troops, yeah. yeah it's a lot more dangerous but that's the kind of attitude that comes out of it i always kind of say to people that just, it's what happens when you get kids who never quite grow up from having scraps in the playground or something, and then they get old enough to go out and buy a gun or a knife or whatever, and you know start doing it for real. Well, I think that was um, Dezeo's first choice to uh, to settle this. He said, you know, my boys will meet my team's boys in a plaza like close to Walker, and we'll have it out like we did in the in the old days. Yeah, well, and he managed to just. This was in Ole, the biggest newspaper in Argentina, yeah. like the biggest sports paper in Argentina. The fascinating yeah, question is about halfway between La Bombonera and my house, so I'm really quite glad that didn't go ahead. Easy walking distance. I think the most worrying aspect about this Boca situation is that uh, when this guy, Diceo, uh, made his appearance um, and, and people started recognizing him, he was in the middle of the stand. Mm. Uh, the, the common fans were taking pictures of him as if he was a rock star, yeah, and, and that's that's one of the mm. hardest problems to tackle yeah. for for Argentine football. Is the other fans giving them yeah. this stature of, of uh, legends like? Uh, and, and they've been going around during the week on the, all these TV shows, as you said, in Ole, giving interviews. You know, they, they're you know, it's like as if they're talking to a director of the club or a player or something like. They're giving him this kind of stature. Exactly. Yeah. I remember writing this in an article. Actually, this was probably a year 15 months ago actually just before the World Cup when there's kind of this whole thing about the Argentine batters travelling and it's true kind of people in the stands say Boca fans they'll point out Mara Martin to their kids in the same way as yeah. they point out Raquelme coming out of the tunnel you know, it's yeah. the same celebrity and yeah to kind of get rid of that it's, it's tough it's difficult but to be fair we should mention that a lot of normal fans you know I'd say the majority of normal fans We'd love to see the barriers out of it. Mm-hmm. I'd say. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, the problem is there are people that are, are really starstruck with the uh, starstruck. Yeah, they're kind of groupies, really. Like yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's very stupid. Um, and another thing uh, I, I, I wanted to say, I forgot. You <laughs> <laughs> will come. I was thinking about this, but I was going to mention as well that. Um, there was the famous thing a few years ago of Diceo being on the front cover of some magazine because he'd been named one of the most powerful people in Argentina. Not not in Argentine football, <laughs> but yeah. in Argentina, when he was the head of Boca's um, Barra Brava. So that is the kind of level of just... I, I just also the level that we're talking about, basically. Go on, Sam. Yeah. No, I just remember what I wanted to say. Uh, there will be elections at, at Boca, and that's another uh, aspect. That, that's another reason why... Diceo made another appearance, and, and because one of the candidates is a, supposedly aligned with Diceo, and the others are with the other guy, and now they're talking about government, uh, the government being involved somehow, and they want uh, supposedly they don't want Macri to go back at Boca and gain Macri control. Macri is the mayor of Buenos Aires. Yeah. Prior to that, was president of Boca Juniors. Yeah, and uh, and he's an enemy of the government, the national government. 
So they don't want the candidate that is aligned with Macri to regain control of Boca Juniors, and that's why it's very convoluted and, and nobody knows what is going to happen. So there's, there's a possibility that not only the elections, the Boca elections could be postponed till next year, but also the, there is a question mark over whether Boca will be able to play their home matches at La Bombonera because of this violence that is ongoing right now. They could play against Vélez without away fans and they could host Racing the, the following week at a different stadium, not the Bombonera. So is, that, is that certain now? No, it's not certain. Okay. They're talking and there will be discussions uh, going. Uh, they will continue to, to go on. Um, no decision yet, but that's the word uh, at the moment. I just think, I'd like to wrap that up. I just think it's, inter- it's going to be interesting to see how the authorities react now because we all know, we're all talking about it, we all, it's all in the newspapers. We know that this confrontation is about to happen. And it's interesting to see how they're going to try to stem that or how, how they're going to try and stop it, whether they do or not. Cause yeah. they, you know, everybody knows it's going to happen, so whether they stop it or not, it'll be interesting to see. As we just said, the police in, <coughs> in Buenos Aires are fine upstanding. Yeah, outstanding people, so I'm sure they'll have no problem with that. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and I guess a, a couple of people, if, particularly if you're new listeners listening to what Seba was just saying especially, might be tempted to write in and ask why um, none of the presidential candidates don't align themselves with either of the Barras. Um, we explored that a, a few weeks ago, but in short, the Barras give them votes and and give them things like guns in the face if they don't uh, get talking about their candidates for the, the club elections you know? yeah. yes yeah, absolutely. yeah sorry yeah, the, the the presidency of Boca um, for instance um, yeah so, so that's a very short uh, explanation um, on the pitch Boca's league lead is now virtually unassailable I've while you guys have been talking just voted in Olo's online poll <laughs> I've got uh, English Dan's laptop on my lap um saying, can anybody stop Boca's march to the title, essentially, uh, with options of, no, it's already over, yes, Racing, yes, Belgrano, yes, Vélez, and yes, Atletico Rafaela. Nobody, which is the option I went for, has is on 79% of votes after 66,000 votes, which is about the capacity of Racing's stadium. Um, yeah, and I think I would agree with that. I, mean, I, I think can't, don't think you can argue, really. I don't, I don't, I don't think even Boca can... can Take the title away from themselves. No, well, that was the headline on a massive collapse. Yeah, I mean the headline on Ole's website the day after the the uh, the match was Boca have even beaten themselves because during the Clausura they got fewer points and won fewer matches than they've now won in the whole of the Clausura and there are still six games to play. Um, there are nine. Uh, pardon. Uh, sorry, when <laughs> never mind. We'll carry on. Nobody heard that. Uh, there are nine uh, nine games. No, sorry, there are nine points clear with six games to go, which of course means eighteen points to play for. Uh, they're still unbeaten. They've won nine, drawn four. Uh, it's still only three goals conceded. Direct mirror image of of Racing's uh, form: one, four, drawn nine. Um, and yeah, they've conceded three goals, which is really low. Really, I, I remember when River won the two thousand eight Clausura, scoring about ten goals or something. They they conceded something like thirteen. They did score more than ten, but they didn't yeah, score yeah, any. Yeah. And that was at the time one of the best defensive <laughs> records ever, yeah, largely because of their goalkeeper. Yeah. Racing and Boca have conceded four and three this season. It's absolutely astonishing. Yeah, and um, Boca this last weekend against Rafaela, the, the second place team at the time, um, uh, were they missing. Still are now, yeah. Well, still a second place team. Were, were miss, well, they they had a reshuffle in. Well, they had a shuffle in in their attack, and they brought in a guy. They brought in Blandi. Who else did they have? They had well, Blandi played the previous match as well. Oh, yeah. uh, for the last couple of games, uh, anyway, yeah. they've had to. They've been yeah. missing uh, Riquelme. Uh, they've been missing yeah. Riquelme uh, quite at a funny last minute as well because he was expected to play. They had to play Cristian Chavez as the as the playmaker, which really says it all in terms of how <coughs> people were expected right. to do. But it hasn't it still hasn't affected their form and based on probably on, on a good defence. No, absolutely. Um, and Chavez was really good, but Blandi is the one who stole the show. Really, I mean, he yeah, four goals in a week. He played what ten games with them just over a year ago couldn't score at all for them scored maybe one in the pre-season games they learned about to, uh, to Argentinos last season uh, where he did okay but not spectacularly no, no, he's he coming ended up being a, a, <laughs> he scored he ended up being a games. substitute at Argentinos yeah. he wasn't even playing for Argentinos uh, but yeah, he's, I think it's a case of a striker uh, getting straight into a team that is very solid very yeah. the chances will come and yeah. he made the most of it I remember uh, uh, the previous game against Colón away Five minutes in, he had a golden chance and he missed. He hit it wide, and people were starting like, 
questioning him whether he have enough to, to, to be the Boca number nine. And then a couple of minutes later he scored, and then in the second half he scored again. And that's it. He was That was the first double, and he followed up with another double. Uh, that uh, Only five minutes into the game he scored, and then he doubled uh, that again. And, and, and that's it. He's got, he's got four goals and a lot of credit two matches. should go to Falcioni, you know. Um, and also... It shows that just a little bit of patience really pays off in Argentinian football. We've talked about it so often where guys will lose a couple of games and get fired straight away, but Falcioni was, was received as much criticism as anyone does when he when he started off as Boca, when he was implementing his plan. Uh, they could have, at one stage, they probably could have fired him, but, you know, they give him... It's only two seasons, you know, it's not two half-seasons, basically. I know if my, um, <coughs> if my memory serves correctly, they were even talking about sacking him at the start of this season because... Boca started with two draws, I believe, two fairly unimpressive draws. Yeah, that's right. And after a less than, yeah, a pretty mediocre class order season, the pressure was really on him. And I think if he didn't get a win in the third game, I can't remember now who it was against. No, in fact, they drew 0-0 away to Olimpo in their first match, which was what the pressure was. And then yeah. the second game, they won 4-0, but that was against Union. Yeah. Um, and then there was a third game, which I think and they then drew... One nil against Newell's, yeah. but it, that was a bad performance. And they never looked good. Talking about him on the bar, but yeah, they drew with San Lorenzo. Yeah, they drew with San Lorenzo. Narrowly beat Independiente in the fifth round. They, they kind of started. They got a few wins, but they didn't. They weren't playing especially well. well. To be fair, they were grinding yeah. the results out. To be fair, they've grind, they've ground out results all season. They've not done anything spectacular. It's just uh, they've kept winning, and other teams around them have done them a massive favour of dropping points. Mm. Which is why they're so. Yeah, yeah so why they won the league. Yeah, yeah, if you're a betting agency, you'd be paying out bets now. I think it's basically over. If someone's going to yeah. catch them. Absolutely. They need what, a few points to win, a win this weekend. Could potentially have them going 12 clear with 15 to play for. So it's not going to happen. I don't think it's even going to get as far as the Racing game in the 15th round being a title decider anymore, guys, do you? No, I don't think so. Racing have um, no. still unbeaten. Why is only coming in for so much, you know? Because he's not, his team is not scoring, and he's not even trying to score. Sometimes, like it, ten, ten goals in thirteen matches. That's not that's not enough for 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 a team to consider themselves yeah. the contenders. Was, yeah. The latest result we had to see was a nil nil away to Estudiantes, which you were so so disappointed that you decided to smash a stadium door up well know. yeah that was well that was actually before the game but you know this is you knew you knew it was for comfort happen. reasons you know that like, yeah. you like to be comfortable in the stands of course yeah. security comes first yeah but it's funny like you know it's safety comes this first. was this was Racing's fifth drawn game in a row and but it kind of makes you laugh because you say a year ago you'd say a draw away to Estudiantes would be a brilliant result like Racing have got an awful awful record to, with the Estudiantes and yeah in another time a draw would leave everyone happy but this time yeah it was just a complete down to see it now I guess Simeone is coming under fire uh, even though he's undefeated he has to be said but nine draws that, that's yeah. too much and and, well, and the reason why he's coming under fire is the, the manner in which he got those draws M- most of them were from winning positions and the others were nearly with, without showing any sometimes intention they showed but what they didn't show sometimes was uh, the aptitude or the the, the, the yeah, capacity of commitment uh, exactly. an idea of how to win a game yeah. and it's the, the, this team still has no solid uh, mentality or no. style that you, you say okay Racing they're going to play like this you could say that about Boca you could say that about Vélez you know how they're going to play we, we still don't know how Simeone's Racing is going to play and it's a real shame because on paper they've got one of the best if not the best team in the league like yeah. easily yeah. that and is another reason why he's coming under yeah, fire he's not because he's got bad players and he's doing what he can right. he's, he's got <laughs> probably the two or three best uh, squad in the league yeah. one of those players obviously being Gio Moreno and you were saying something before we started recording so but I'm wondering whether you could repeat it for the benefit of our mm-hmm. listeners now because I think it's a really good point about uh, Simeone's opinion perhaps of Moreno yeah I don't know I don't know if Simeone is comfortable with, with Giovanni Moreno on his team he probably 
he will prefer something, someone different, someone who just run, who just runs around, and and that's it. And but I, I know for a fact that Giovanni Moreno is not comfortable with Simeone, so it's a, uh, it's a lose lose situation for Racing fans actually. And and I'm seeing Giovanni Moreno playing more as a double central midfielder, like almost position as as if he was a holding midfielder, and he's not. So he's uh, Simeone is not making the most. Of this, of this immense talent that is, is evident for us, for, for everyone to see, he's not um, playing near the opposing area enough. Um, so that's 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 the problem I see in this situation in which Giovanni Moreno is not happy. And another thing is, Simeone probably has a clause in his contract. I don't know. Uh, but he never plays Giovanni Moreno 90 minutes. It doesn't matter if if we are playing against 10 men or 11 against 11 or if he's having a good. Yeah, he's not gonna play 90 minutes. If he, if if there is a way you could bet on that, just put your money on that. He's not gonna play 90 minutes under Simeone. I, uh, I think yeah, like for me the way that Simeone's used Shield this season. I mean, obviously you have to kind of count the first three or four games he came back. He was coming off this seven-month injury, cruciate ligaments, so you had to take him kind of slow. But since then, how Gio's been used is kind of indicative of how the whole team's been playing because you just see so many times, you know, the whole team stays so far back and they don't push, they don't press the opposition, mm -hmm. they don't go and chase a game. And that's the kind of team Gio needs to be in. He needs mm -hmm. to be, you know, in an attacking team who is always looking for the win. And mm -hmm. he's just not got that. And it's a shame to see a wrestling season is just kind of going out of a whimper really with these five draws in a row. Yeah. So Gio Moreno to Vélez Sarsfield in January is a Handapod exclusive. <laughs> uh, Vélez seemed to be slightly on the charge to the point where a couple of us perhaps slightly uh, light-headedly suggested that they might be the most legitimate challengers to Boca in the title race, but they lost 3-1 to Argentinos on Friday night. Um, they played really early, sorry, Saturday. There weren't any games on Friday, were there? Mm. Uh, they played very early in the weekend because they've got a Copa Sudamericana match in midweek. Um, yeah, it is tonight, now. isn't it? Yes, yeah, of course, I'm going to watch Saturday. it with Joel in a couple of hours. Mm. Um, the the Argentinos win was what? Argentinos second of the season, I think? Uh, third, maybe? Second, yeah, second of the season. Well, we can put that, that down to Tavellas. I think they are concentrating now on the Copa yeah. Sudamericana. Yeah. They, they put out not a second string team, but they have about five or four or five of their players who would normally start were not starting. So, yeah, I, I guess they've decided uh, to concentrate on that now. It's a shame in a way that they didn't go for that and that Rafaela couldn't have taken something off Boca because, of course, this weekend is the defending champions against the champions elect, um, a match which myself and Australian Dan are planning to go to uh, with our football tour. If you would like to get in touch, <laughs> please do. All um, inquiries to <laughs> yeah. You go with the barra? No, no, we're certainly not. Which barra? <laughs> Which barra? We're, we're, we're hoping that Bocas fans aren't going to be allowed in. I'm actually taking a rival tour group with um, Dizio, so <laughs> oh, it might have a bit of a dust up there. But that had the potential to be a really kind of good game. If, if that had been uh, the kind of case where, because Vélez, if they won even now, would be eight behind Boca with, with Boca's win. But if that had been the case where a Vélez win could have clawed them to within kind of four points or so, <coughs> no, you just might have, have seen some <coughs> momentum that they had. But yeah, no, no, I think it's a bit of a... It would have been really interesting, actually, if, uh, if say, it was a four or five point difference and yeah. Boca had to go to Vélez and then play a Racing. Mm. It could have been two... Massive games, you know, and if they won them too, they would have been. You couldn't have for the championship, but now, yeah, it's kind of. No, what I mean, we were talking about the same, similar, something similar with the, the, the game last week against Rafaela, and they pretty much dispatched them. And yeah, precisely. You got to give them credit. Um, Although Rafaela, I mean, for me, I thought Rafaela kind of fell apart in the opening 20 minutes, which was when they conceded the two Blandy goals. After that, they seemed to yeah, come together slightly more, but. But they, they they're not going to get too down about it. In terms of surviving relegation, they were expecting to go to La Bombonera and lose, so they're not going to let their heads slump. They're going to carry on winning games, I think, this season. Yeah, um, of course. They're, they're quite happy to they're be... They're not going to be in the title race now. They're too far behind. They're quite happy to be where they are, actually. I, I don't think they, they expected to have won seven matches already. Mm. I mean, that's, that's really impressive from them. And looking at the records of the other promoted sides, I'm kind of wondering whether, looking at the kind of win-loss draws column, Rafael is... They, they seem to have really gambled, you know, that they're not bothering about going to protect draws where they've got them, trying to protect wins and ending up turning them into draws or anything, they're just throwing everything forward and as a result they've won seven 
and lost five and drawn only one game. Mm-hmm. But they're doing fantastically in terms of, of the points won. When you compare it with um, San Martín de San Juan, who are 12th in the Apertura, but are uh, uh, second bottom of the relegation table, mm-hmm. who've won six, or sorry, drawn six, um, and lost four and only managed to win three. And oh. that's kind of the difference, really, is that Rafaela and also Belgrano, to a large extent, have really gone out and tried to be positive. Definitely yeah. a couple of coaches which you could have learned something from that <laughs> yeah and if you see Belgrano Union San Martín de San Juan the three teams that got promoted together with Rafaela they have all lost fewer matches than Rafaela yeah. Rafaela lost more more games than them yeah. but they also won more games and they 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 go for it as you said yeah, I remember a game against San Lorenzo they 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 considered the equalizer really really late and they went for for, for the winner and they got it and yeah. it was a place where Rafaela would have never gone there try to, trying to get a win and they went for it and they're going for it yeah. everywhere they go and they started really well against Boca for the first before the, 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 the early Blandy goal and they were going for it and, and mm. Orion had a good yeah, save they had a couple of chances yeah. to take the lead didn't they before yeah, Boca so, um, they're playing Belgrano this weekend and that's uh, as we say Belgrano perhaps don't go for the win to quite the same extent but have been doing really well themselves as well um, within their own game plan they've got five wins five draws and three losses um, and yeah that, that's going to be an interesting game but I think the one that we all sort of could have told you blindfolded was going to be the best game of the, the weekend just gone and which turned out to be probably was Lanus versus Godoy Cruz um, certainly got in Godoy Cruz's case the side who've provided more goals over the last two and a half three years than anybody else in Argentina um, which Lanús eventually won 2-1 uh, that was I really enjoyed it I thought I'd just mention it it's got no real relevance to the title race or relegation maybe some to Copa Libertadores qualification because it beats Lanús and uh, Chilean now um, but it was it was really entertaining and I saw you as well Australian Dan tweeting on yeah, yeah, you were yeah, enjoying it <coughs> as we mentioned it was going to be a, a nice open game and it was and it, it was one of those it's, it's so it's quite rare in Argentine football to see two teams that were set up well in defence but also going at each other and like you got the feeling they had to do produce something nice to, to break through the defence and that's what they did a couple of times so yeah like a, re- a really high quality game and yeah. it's, a, it's a real shame about Lanús not being in the title fight and the, we've got yeah. the big uh, Clásico coming up this well, weekend I'd, I'd like to see yeah you're right of course Lanús played Banfield this weekend um, I'd, I'd have really liked to, to see this match perhaps if Boca hadn't had such an enormous lead in the league if Boca maybe hadn't had the lead in the league and, and say Rafael is 22 or, or uh, Belas is possible 23 was the kind of the target to aim for because then it could have been really mm. you know, seeing how much Lanús then whether they would try and press on a little bit further um, in every game that they're playing, we really should give a mention to. We, we've often talked about the Lanús midfield in general, but we should give a mention to Reguero, the Uruguayan, who's just been a fantastic player. He's so decisive. Um, scored a sensational volley a few weeks ago. I can't remember who against, but to open the scoring quite early on. And, and scored a nice goal in this game, yeah. coming into the box late. Probably worth mentioning as well, uh, Ruben Remedias for Godoy Cruz, who's well out in the leaders, top scorer for the Apertura. If Sam can pass me the the numbers now yes he is he's, he's on 9 he's pl- uh, scored 8 from what they Argentines call open play and 1 yeah. with his head which is separate from open play apparently. <laughs> um, yeah. he's 3 ahead of joint second Dario Gandin yeah. who scored 3 penalties yeah, <laughs> 3 yeah. from open play um, so and, really well, and yeah. Martin Rolle yeah, Ramirez also scored only 2 goals in 22 matches for Racing so thank you very much <laughs> yeah he, he was a beast before signing for Racing playing for Colón yeah. he's he's he got a stinker at Racing yeah. and now then he was he's good playing for Banfield now he's he, good playing for Godoy Cruz my God. we're not yeah. saying it's a conspiracy but <laughs> you can make your own conclusions I've done the referees for that somehow I'm sure <laughs> and another um, thing we, we mentioned last week uh, we've got a question about Arsenal de Sarandí a little bit later in the programme um, but we mentioned last week in, in answer to another question about them in the Copa Sudamericana um, that they tend to get favoured by referees and I've uh, for, for my one of my uh, other jobs I have to know exactly who's going to be suspended and whatnot for five yellow cards uh, when I'm previewing um, and as a result I've now because the AFA have stopped giving updates on their website for some reason about <laughs> who this is I've stopped, I, I'm now running a, a spreadsheet so that I, I tally up myself who's got a yellow card and I type in and it tells me who's on five already send it to Alpha. and as, as, no, no I should you get back in yeah. good oh, no, I should send it to Ole as well because they've reported that some Independiente players hit five yellow cards this weekend just gone and he hasn't he's only on four um, 
and I went through and double checked as a result last night and I, I, I was right and they were wrong but anyway um, Arsenal have had more more players booked so far this season than, than any other club but they've not had a single player yet hit five yellow cards and they've got two on four who've been on four for about the last six rounds that's organised crime that's which almost but it almost crime. suggests that the refs are being told don't book these players they know who to send I'm just putting this out here as a possible <laughs> conspiracy theory I'm sure with anybody unfamiliar with the workings of, of the AFA it's going to sound like a conspiracy theory but you can believe it trust me um, as for Arsenal's result uh, the referee helped them to a nil-nil draw away to Independiente on Saturday um, which was I was going to say a big win in their minds and not so much an Independiente as we've discussed before how Arsenal look at Racing and Independiente as Clásicos and, and Racing and Independiente well, Arsenal Independiente the is basically the Grandona derby like. of course <laughs> um, but it actually apparently it means that Arsenal have still won more matches against Independiente than Independiente have won against them which I would think is a relatively unusual um, phenomenon although of course Arsenal yeah. haven't played too many of the Primera sides a load of times yet having only been promoted a decade or so ago sad, yeah. anyway we'll um, we'll move on now what else can we talk about in terms of this weekend's action guys does anything spring to mind as we mentioned briefly the, the Clásico in the south uh, are you talking about next weekend or this weekend uh, this, this, this weekend just gone sorry yeah. no, I, was, I, was, I just wanted to mention another another bit of uh, fan idiocy uh, when, when I saw a flag no, no, I, I didn't mean, I didn't mean you. <laughs> um, when the fans, the Lanús fans, they show, one of the, one of them showed a flag which uh, read "Aguante um, Camora," which means "Come on, Camoranesi," or "We're behind you." It was kind of uh, coming one week after Camoranesi he yeah, hit sure. another player uh, with a kick to the face, and, and I think that's that's stupid, and it shouldn't be happening. I mean. It's fans condoning violence and it seems fans, that fans condoning Mauro Camoranesi is bad enough exactly <laughs> someone um, who never enjoyed it particularly <laughs> when he was in Italy he's playing wonderfully for Lanús but still it, it, that, that, those kind of things and the, the, the things we mentioned that happened at Boca kind of make me lose all hope in, in Argentine football ever uh, getting better when it comes to violence and and, and the the whole state of the game so mm. it's kind of a I think fans should really do stuff about uh, against those things you know but do you think this is an Argentine problem because I think that if it's your player all over the world fans tend to, to back them over especially if they're kind of getting a lot of criticism from other places I wouldn't say it's a particularly Argentine problem I don't know but let's put for example uh, this is this has been in the news John Terry's case and, and he's been accused of racism yeah. and there are there, there, there is some footage, or there was, is, is now removed by DFA. But do you think Chelsea fans will will stand behind John Terry if he's well, if he's fans, guilty? They're not very nice people. So. <laughs> no, but come on. We no. never know. <laughs> no, I mean, if if that's the case, if fans will will support yeah. the player, whatever he does, I think that's that's wrong. Uh, and I'm uh, and I'm not uh, taking. Uh, part of in this I mean I'm not saying this as a fan of Racing who uh, who a Racing player got killed by John Terry and I'm also a QBR fan and John Terry was the can't rule out John Terry no exactly <laughs> um, but I mean I wouldn't if, if a Racing player kicked another guy to the face I would no. be I would be the first Wanting him out of the of our, of our yeah. club, of our team. But it always yeah. seems to be wrestling players to get kicked rather than <laughs> the kicking. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, by the way, John Terry, if you are listening, uh, of course we don't know whether you're racist or not. You are a twat either way, though. Just wanted to get that off my chest. That's been waiting for a whole week. It has. I hope he's listening. I hope he's listening. Um, okay, well, I, I'm gonna. <laughs> Can we put that as a title, please? John Terry's <laughs> and Argentina stuff. I think that would get us plenty of hits, actually, arguably more than we than we normally get. Um, I, I'm looking through a couple of the questions that I've been sent. Uh, this, this. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Try and stop so laughing, good. Sarah. Is yeah, that was so good. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to look through a couple of the questions that I've been sent after asking for questions uh, for the podcast tonight earlier on. Um, one of them, which, which I mentioned that we had coming a few minutes ago, so we may as well move on to it now. 
Um, I'm hoping that the wind isn't too bad tonight, by the way. If we, if we can have some f- feedback when you're listening about the sound, because yeah, we are recording. On the, we've come back onto the terrace. Yeah, yeah for the first long, time this spring. winter inside. And we're enjoying it, but it is quite breezy, so I apologise if the sound's not 100%. I'm going to play some music, um, <laughs> which hopefully will help the wind to die down by soothing it. And uh, we'll come back and ask, uh, answer a couple of questions because we've got a couple of really good ones and a couple of frankly slightly silly out. ones. Yeah, I <laughs> get slightly <laughs> crazed. <laughs> Whether we can see Arsenal de Sarandí going any further in the Copa Sudamericana. We answered a kind of related question last week regarding the threat that they're going to pose to Universidad de Chile. Um, but I think it's worth maybe asking this one here as well. Just because can we? I mean, they're playing the first leg is on, is it Thursday night? It's quite late in the week, I'm sure it's Thursday. Um, and it is away. No, it's not, it's at home. Vélez are away. Guys, anything? We kind of touched yeah. Yeah, last night on the front. The Universidad de Chile in the previous round, of course, thrashed. Was it Fluminense? So, Flamengo. Um, I knew it was one of the, the flus in Brazil. Um, and that was a really impressive performance. And Especially the home match. Uh, yeah. It was in Brazil. So yeah. I, 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 I saw Universidad de Chile play a few games and, and they're really impressive. And, they're fantastic. Uh, if, they can, if they can turn it on, they can even win here... Uh, in, in, in Argentina in Grondona land yeah, in Grondona land yeah. um, I think if they can beat Ronaldinho they can beat Grondona yeah just about unfortunately Grondona's not playing for Arsenal <laughs> well, so I think Grondona is more powerful yeah. than, than the Ronaldinho yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no but uh, Arsenal they, they, they're a uh, new or young club and they already won this competition in I think it was 2003 don't, don't quote me. No, it was much more recently. No, it was about recently. 2008, 2007. Yeah. A year. No, we. I bet you 2007 is my bet. I'm going to look this up on Wikipedia now. Yeah. So while you look, um, oh, yeah, we can yeah. say, yeah, we can say that it, it's a team that will compete. I mean, and, and oh, definitely, I wouldn't, I wouldn't write them off at all. I mean, yeah, I think they're another team that's concentrating on the on the Sudamericana, and they've won it in in their recent history. So I, I put a lot of uh, weight into that. Um, so yeah. don't write them off. To be honest. I disagree. I think this is a tie that Universidad de Chile should win. Yeah, me too. Fairly, me too. No, I, fairly comfortably. I, like, no, I also I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, like Sebra, I've seen them quite a few times this year, and I know they're unbeaten in the whole season, kind of in Chile, the the Clausura season it is there, and they're playing fantastic football yeah. and they've got quality, quality players. They, unless they have a very bad couple of days, they should win by a couple of goals. I think on aggregate. And uh, Arsenal won the 2007 Copa Sudamericana, so I'm punching the air in, in delight. And uh, you were only up by four years, so but don't worry. <laughs> I mean, in, in the history of a competition that's what you ten years old. <laughs> yeah. um, I said, don't quote me on that. I, I'm also thinking as well, as well as the fact that they're playing against a really, really tricky opponent, um, that Arsenal now know, as we discussed last week, that they've they've qualified for the Copa Libertadores now already off the back of the Sudamericana. Um, performance because they've done better than anybody else uh, Argentine in the Sudamericana apart from Vélez who've already qualified by virtue of winning the Clausura so I'm just wondering whether that might mean they take the foot off obviously they want to win the trophy if they can but they might not have quite the same focus as they did knowing they're going to be in the Libertadores come what may Um, they could also play the other way around they could be more relaxed nothing to lose they're not worried at all about the league so yeah Mm. absolutely um Two others. We've we've had one from from Tom Beck, TWJ Beck on Twitter, uh, who'd like us to make a dream eleven from the Primera. I think if it's all right with you, Tom, we're going to leave that until the end of season uh, look back because we tend to do that. And if you do want a more immediate one, you could perhaps check out Alejandro Savela's domestic national squad, which none of us had any particular argument with. Um, Zach Meyer, who is Zach Meyer on Twitter, 
um, national team I've just mentioned national team actually and he'd like us to know when we think we'll see Pastore as a, a regular part of the national team starting 11 if ever um, maybe as a 4-2-3 one with him in the centre is, is his suggestion I think we're going to probably see Pastore starting especially now with, tonight with this injury to Eva Vanega um, against Bolivia in the World Cup uh, qualifiers which is what next weekend isn't it's, it? uh, it's the 11th, 11th. Oh, okay, two weeks. Yeah, okay, so a week on Friday. It's the eleventh of the eleventh of the eleventh. Yeah, a very special day in, in well across West, Western Europe. At it least. could be a one-all yeah. draw. Following or that 11, logic, 11. or eleven. That wasn't yeah. quite what I was referring to, but yes, um, you're quite right. For this game, yeah, for this game as well, Sabella's already made a lot of noises that he's going to play a weekend team exactly because yeah. he wants to focus on Colombia, which is four days later. They're playing at four o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon in uh, Barranquilla. It's going to be about. 47 degrees there, <laughs> and I think a lot of players are going to melt so hmm. I think you could see a lot of players from the from the domestic leagues playing in that I think there'll be a few and definitely well if he doesn't play Pastore in that game then he's never going to play then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's something wrong or, or yeah. there's something we don't know about or he yeah, likes be, to yeah. call someone but but not to put well, him. so far it's basically been because he likes Sosa in that role yeah. who is I think most people would agree is an inferior player um, but yeah, definitely in that Bolivia game is, is a good chance for Pastore. And we always talk about Pastore. I think several someone pointed point out last time that he's, he's so young. I mean, he's going to be yeah. in three years. He's going to be you know absolutely nailed into the team. But uh, I think he's even ready to, to get in now. The way he's playing, the, the type of player that Argentina needs. I'm just not sure if Sabella is such a huge fan of the typical enganche playmaker type. I think Pastore has a, has a strong. Uh, strong chance of, of making the starting eleven and so does Aguero in my opinion. Yeah. I mean if I was if I was Abela and and, and if, if I was to use two different teams or uh, saves at least a largely different teams. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. I would use Messi. I would use him uh, yeah. maybe just in the first half against Bolivia. You have to you have to <laughs> use Messi uh, if you have him and but probably save some legs for the sec for for the second game, but yeah, I think Iwain uh, could be rested for the first game, and so Aguero has a he has a good chance of of, of making it. Yeah. Starting eleven, I think for me as well. Like in this game, as I was saying, that Sabella, I wouldn't say necessarily use a B team, but it's going to be a lot different from from his first team. I'd really like to see someone like um, Canteros from Vélez get a chance in the midfield, especially now that Benega's out. I think. Mm. He could definitely do a job. You know, he, pr he probably won't play against Colombia, obviously, but hmm. against Bolivia and home soil, I'd love to see him in. Yeah, I definitely. I think there's a decent chance. I know that Savela's definitely a big fan. I'm not sure if I agree so much that there are, there's going to be more home-based players, but maybe. But, but I, th I think definitely Canteros. Like you said, I think it'll be more like guys like Aguero and maybe Lavezzi or Pastore, yeah. these kind of guys. But I think definitely Canteros yeah. in with a chance, maybe uh, Lisandro Lopez. Clemente, I think, has got yeah. a very good chance. Those kind of guys, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Lisandro yeah, uh, has not been called up for these ones. Uh, he's no, just coming back from injury. But he, he will be. He will no, be I meant the, the Lisandro, the defender. Ah, ah the Lisandro Lopez, the fake glitch. Yeah. Yeah, there's <laughs> only one Lisandro Lopez <laughs> in my, my book. Sorry. Um, yeah, sorry, sorry for that. I thought you, were, you meant the Leon strike. No, no. But in terms of Pastore, we'd, we'd be expecting him to, to at least be competing for a regular starting role, maybe by the next World Cup or, or leading up to the next Copa America. Uh, we've also, I, I'm going to ask this question actually, just because I think it will get a hearty round of laughter from uh, from our two resident Racing fans. We had uh, one guy, Thomas Marley, who's TM7785 on Twitter, um, initially asked me why we had so many Racing fans on, on the podcast. Um, so I explained to him that, that we'd actually addressed that question on a previous episode, episode 9, if anybody's interested. So he said he'd have a listen back, and then said, thank you for letting me know. I was at an Independiente game in April, their fans were amazing. Do Racing live up to them? Ooh. And the answer in short is no, right? Independiente's fans are yeah. far louder. And, uh, oh boy. <laughs> uh, I already has, uh, have these, these guys' uh, number. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna block him. Oh, I think he's just trying to cause trouble, and yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, I, I think the answer from the, even from the neutral point of view, which yeah. of course yeah, myself, an Australian Dan, Dan, and, Dan and Sam answer this because would have to be no. In, in part, in part at least because of the stadium, of course, Racing's is all actually complete and closed in. 
and keeps the noise in very nicely, whereas Independientes isn't yet finished and, and therefore can't possibly do that. But you know, just generally speaking, the atmosphere at Racing is one of the best, if not the best, um, that I've been to anywhere in Argentina or elsewhere. Dan? Yeah, I would, yeah, I would put it largely down to the stadium there. I, these guys will, will tell you that Independiente fans are bitter and, and so forth. But I, I think if, if you put them in a similar stadium to, to Racing's, I think they would make just as much noise. And if, and if we let them charge five pesos for uh, Popular? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, they were, they were the home team at, at our ground while they were constructing their, their new stadium. And I, I didn't see anything like... No, I, I'm not biased here. <laughs> no, no. Well, yeah. Racing fans are famous worldwide. Yeah. And Independiente, they're famous because they won seven Copa Libertadores. Yeah. There's nothing to take away from, from, from that club, that institution, but the fans are not quite up there with the, no. with the club's reputation. The one as, yeah, we can probably say to Tom that on the pitch, Independiente uh, have been by far the most successful club, unfortunately, but... Off the pitch, fan-wise, uh, Racing fans, ask any Argentine, yeah. Racing fans come above. After the 70s, before the 70s, it was yeah. different, but um, yeah, it's probably one of the reasons. Your team is a big one, it's a big club, it's, it's got a lot of fans. We don't win anything, we have to do something. Yeah. The fans have to do something to make up for that. Are you going to do Lakeside Lizzie's question now? I am, yeah. Uh, b- before I do, I'm just going to also mention... Um, since we talked about them earlier in a slightly negative light or more the police around them earlier in a slightly mm. negative light uh, the, the one set of fans that I really want to get to see in the flesh I know that English Dan and, and Seba have, have, I think you probably have seen them haven't you Seba um, I'd really like to get up to a Newell's home game at some yeah. point because the, le- the, the atmosphere in the Rosario derby is legendary and Newell's yeah. fans even for a regular home match are already <laughs> letting off fireworks and firecrackers and stuff by halfway through the second half and all this kind of thing um We'll also mention Lizzie Am and Lexard Lizzie's uh, question, which was, will Riquelme marry me? Hmm. Uh, do a quick poll? I well, say yes. I think he would. I yeah, think, I, I, think I don't know whether he's, he's already happy taken. As but he is. He's I think he, he's happy as he is. Riquelme's pretty happy. Riquelme está feliz. He's happy. But I don't know. I don't know about his personal life, but he's happy in his personal well, uh, life. Well, we know uh, Riquelme's a regular listener, so <laughs> we'll put him in touch and yeah. we'll see what happens. And I, I think really... The answer is that he might do, but you'd probably have to fight Rupert Fryer for him. Uh, especially in our gay marriage, has been legalised here in Argentina. <laughs> and that's that. Um, cool. Well, we're going to play in now the everybody's favourite part of the podcast, uh, the really funny part where Dan pretends to know what he's talking about. Um, we'll play in the theme tune, and then we'll come back for <coughs> Mystic Dan and a quick discussion of the fixtures to come. Quite right, actually, sir. But we're going to uh, ask Australian Dan this week. Uh, actually, Liz- Lizzie Hammond asked me as well on Twitter a couple of days ago: "Is Argentina FW Australian?" Then yeah, and yeah, I thought, "Well, that. if you ever listen to the, uh, the podcast, if you not wonder why we call him Australian Dan all the time." He if you want to go, I'll exaggerate my Australian accent for this one. Yeah, if you could, just so we will. Do it like a proper bogan. All right, uh, you got all boys Independiente. I'm going to go for a draw. Uh, San Lorenzo to win away to Olimpo. Rafaela to beat Belgrano. Godoy Cruz to beat Estudiantes. Tigre, Tigre, is it? Uh, to draw with to draw with Colin. <laughs> Racing to beat Argentinos. <laughs> Lanus to beat uh, Banfield. Arsenal to draw with San Martin to the San Juan. Olimpo to draw with Newells and uh, Boca to beat Vélez. Union to draw with Newells, you mean, right? Uh, sorry, yeah, Union to Union to draw with Newells. And this is a knife. <laughs> you call that a knife? This is a knife. The one, the one standout fixture, we've talked briefly about Vélez Boca already, of course, but the really outstanding fixture there is the Clásico, which um, non-regular listeners or, or new people to Argentine football could be forgiven for not knowing is Banfield versus Lanús, the Clásico del Sur. Um, 
guys, what can you tell our listeners about this this classic? Dan, you went to it last during the class. No. Oh, it wasn't the Lannis game. You, no, no, that was the Bok again this season. Yeah, I'm getting confused. Um, no, I think it's unfortunate because uh, we talked about them both at the start of the season as as title contenders. Lannis have done a bit better. Banfield just very much not so. Very much not so. Very much very not much. so. They've looked like they were slightly improving, but not really. So that's why you know I chose Lanús in this one, but it could have been a really good game. Yeah, and Camoranesi will be missing. He's a former Banfield player. Yeah. There's a lot of. Um, he never played in the Primera for Banfield, did he? He played in the second division. No, he came up through the Mexico, came back, yeah. went to Europe, and then. Uh, well, so he, he was quite identified with Banfield well, before, I, before I moving to. When Europe. I went with some of the Lanús fans, they were not so sold on on Camoranesi for that reason. You know. I mean, just they, they were like, oh, just because he played in. This was about what four or five rounds into the the apertura, wasn't uh, it? When they when they played Boca, which was yeah. not that long ago, yeah, five or six weeks ago. But yeah, obviously you talked about that sign before. So some of them, because he's such a, a big name player, have been convinced by Camoranese. But it's anyway, I've just realised actually because they're the away side. That was, it's going to be the first time Camoranese's played a Primera match well, in Banfield Stadium. But no, but he's suspended. No, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, he's he's yeah, that's what, yeah. yeah, we should mention this as well. He was given an eight, uh, well, possibly an eight match. Will really? yeah. They've not announced it yet, but it's going to be anywhere between three and fifteen. Um, and most, most of the press, are, no, no, most of the press seem to be saying it's going to be roughly eight, sort of in that kind of ballpark. Wow. Uh, for, for this stamp on Toranzo. But yeah, Seba, can you tell us anything like historically about the? The classical uh, apart from the fact that it's been played probably more times in the, the lower divisions than in the Primera. Yeah. No. Now uh, it, it got a. Now that they're both established for 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 quite a while the, in the Primera division, um, it's it's been getting more and more attention, and and, and fans from both uh, sides really look forward to this game. And what Banfield fans uh, say about say about Lanús is that. They were uh, they were never in the third division, the third tier, Primera C, and Lanús were there. So they they say, okay, you, we're bigger than you because you you've been all the way to the third division and we've never been there. Lanús fans they won the league before Banfield did, so well, they were saying, twelve months. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they thought Banfield were never going to win it, and so they were they were going on. Uh, about how they won the league, even if they were in third division, they didn't care. They were bigger than Banfield. Then Banfield won the league with Falcioni. He kind of even things out. And, and but Lanús said, "Well, we won a Copa Conmebol, which is an international tournament. We're still bigger than you." It's kind of it's it's, it's, it's interesting. And, and if you take a train from the south of Buenos Aires, it's a place in, in a station called Constitución. Yeah, south of the city. South of the city. The south of the edge of the. Uh Spread, let's say, but yeah, yeah, it's a it's a big transport hub called Constitución. You take the trains there. If you're a very foreign-looking person, we would recommend you don't take a train from Constitución. No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> and so, basically, what I was uh, trying to say is that you take a train from Constitución, you go past Avellaneda, and then you get to Lanús, and the next station is Banfield. So. Because they're neighbours, yeah. They're, they're neighbours, and you can feel you can feel how the, that part of the Greater Buenos Aires really stops for for every time they play Banfield and Lanús. Yeah, yeah if, if you'd like to try and maybe get to a, a Clásico de Sorda next year, get in touch with me or Australian Dan. <laughs> <laughs> or, take a or take a train in Constitución, your we've, choice. Yeah, we've, we've got contacts as well for that particular one, yeah. uh, certainly in that, in that area of town. So. Contact lens? Yes, that's what I was getting at, absolutely. We, we dropped them somewhere last time. I don't even wear them, that's a really silly thing. Um, but anyway, any other really good-looking pictures? Like yeah, Boca, Boca and Venice. Yeah, Boca Venice, which we've discussed. Um, apart from that, I'm struggling, guys, actually. Um, Tigre Cologne should be quite good. Both teams who wear Cologne on the oh, table now. Actually, yeah, Cologne are very good away. Yeah. Tigre are very high up the table. Olimpo and San Lorenzo with the relegation yeah. implications yeah. Uh, could be. Racing Argentinos, that game in the class order was pretty controversial because, uh, I don't know if you remember, Teo got called uh, Negro Mierda and all that kind of thing. Uh, it was also after his massive, it was nasty, nasty stamp, which he somehow got away with. It was also prior to this weekend just gone, Argentinos' last home victory wow. six months ago. <laughs> Um, which shows you just how great Argentinos have been recently having won the league a mere year and a half ago um, anyway this is I think we yeah the kids are the, 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 the children are starting to scream as you may be able to hear uh, yeah 
Dan, Dan's dogs, or well, Dan's mm. flatmates' dogs. Well, actually, Nestor's always quiet. But um, if you've been wondering where Zombie is, he is here. He's not here upstairs with us. He's been very docile today. Um, I don't know whether Argentina has an equivalent of the Royal Society for the Protection of Animals, or PETA, as is your North American equivalent. If you're an American listener, yeah, we do. Um, but I'm thinking of reporting Dan's flatmate to them, perhaps, because I've never seen Zombie more. We do. <laughs> I th- I'm pretty sure Zombie's been drugged anyway. Um, he's, he was—he he didn't even jump at me and try and rip my face off when I walked in the door today, which is very unusual for him. I can you if you're missing it. No, it's not that I missed it particularly. I was just slightly perturbed by it. So I hope he's he's feeling better next week. Um, we'll we'll leave you for now, listeners. Uh, we'll we'll be back with you next next week. There is no silly midweek inconvenience for us um, this time round. So. No, of course there's not, uh, but we will be here to talk about the latest double header um, of World Cup qualifiers and whatever else happens in the coming weekend. I think we're going to do a Messi special, aren't we, because he just reached 200 goals. Oh, that's quite right, yeah. Five five times the number of goals uh, scored is Hand of Pod episodes that we've had. Anybody pointing out to me that they've actually got closer to 50 Hand of Pod episodes on their iTunes or whatever, uh, we don't count the the Copa America mini previews as episodes that's why <laughs> and that's from the producer so you they're like friendly goals like it or love yeah. it yeah. exactly yeah um, Australian down say goodbye <coughs> goodbye and thanks for joining us English down goodbye we're going around in reverse order from where I started <laughs> you Seba. goodbye and this is for John Terry <laughs> <laughs> and from me it's goodbye goodbye everyone Seba was clutching his crotch whilst doing that. Right? We should also say happy birthday, Diego Maradona. It was yesterday. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was two days ago. What, what is it today? The first? No, it's the first. It was yeah, it was two days ago. Uh, happy birthday, Diego. <laughs>